Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask very much for your Holy Spirit today, even though I'm not sure we know what we're asking. Yet you know how to give good gifts to your children. So we come here today, Lord, with an expectation, not an expectation of what we have known, but an expectation of perhaps what we have not known. Teach us with your spirit today, in Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know how you decide whether some bit of information or event or, or something of that nature come when it comes to you, how you decide in your mind if this is from the Holy Spirit or, or if this is just a coincidence or, or what is it? I don't, how do you decide that? I had an interesting thing happen to me last week and it, and it bears directly on this issue and in fact, where I want to start today, and that is that last week, in an unsolicited manner, I received, as I do from time to time, from, from various groups that have some sort of concern about something, who knows what it is, who send a pamphlet kind of thing. It's not really thick enough to call it a book, but it's also not just a sheet of paper that tends to be full of a whole lot of quotes, primarily, generally taken from the writings of Ellen White, on some sort of an issue that they feel very strongly about. And very rarely, when I take the time to actually glance through this and see where they're coming from and what they're trying to say, very rarely do I feel as though the whole of what they're putting together is really a fair and balanced presentation. But I always try to make a point when something comes along my path to at least take a look at it because sometimes God teaches me things in unexpected places. I think we want to be careful to not fall into the trap that, that this is a voice that I always believe and this is a voice that I never believe because that means this voice has to be right 100% of the time. And this voice has to be wrong 100% of the time. And I haven't really encountered the world to be like that. I've yet to find the person, other than Jesus himself, who I have not encountered face to face and spoken with in that way, but I've yet to encounter the person who's always right. I've encountered people who are pretty sure they're always right. I've been guilty of being that person. But I have yet to encounter the one that's always right. And at the same time, I have yet to encounter the one that's always wrong, even though I feel like I have. All of this is to say that the process of life requires us to have ears that hear. That's one of the phrases that Jesus says. He who has an ear, she who has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says. So I got this, uh, this, this small document, and I, and I opened it up, and I read the very first quote on it, and it was a good quote. I thought it was a pretty good quote. I don't usually disagree with the quotes. It's usually the way they're put together that makes me unhappy. 
But I didn't disagree with the first quote. It was, it was pretty good. I thought, yeah, that's, that's good. I like that. And I kind of set it to the side. In fact, technically, the side was in the trash can to my side. But then a most remarkable thing happened. After the service last Sabbath, was it last Sabbath or the week before? Now I don't remember the timetable. Anyway, I get a text from Mark Johnson. Were you, you, did you text me last Sabbath? Yeah, I think you did. All right. Timeline is not essential here. Texted me a quote which happened to be the exact same quote that was the first quote in that pamphlet I had received. That when I read it, I thought, well, that's an interesting quote. And it was not one that I was familiar with or that I'd heard before. But now here I am getting the exact same words again. Now I'm a reasonable man. I've encountered coincidence in my life. But I am also simultaneously someone who claims to believe that there is a Holy Spirit who finds ways to impress certain things upon our hearts. So I said it before you as a reflective question, which is harder to believe? That a brief quote from manuscript 173, written in 1902 by a woman named Ellen White, that one quote that I was not familiar with would happen to come to me twice within a couple days from completely different sources, one that I don't trust, one that I do. Mark, you're the one I do, so feel good about that. <laughs> that I would get this information at the same time, in the context of when I've been doing a sermon that was related to the idea of the sealing of God's people with the Holy Spirit. Uh, what are the odds on that? We could probably calculate it. It's probably pretty long odds. That doesn't mean it couldn't happen. But which is easier to believe? That these words came to me as a fluke or that these words came to me intentionally by the Spirit of God. The way you would answer this question will say a lot about generally your, your, your basic makeup as a person. Some people hear things from God constantly, and I'm not sure they're always hearing them from God. Other people claim to have never heard anything at all from God, but you see in their life they've obviously been led. So what were the words? I will read you those words. It goes like this, just as soon as the people of God are sealed in their foreheads, it is not any seal or mark that can be seen, but a settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so they cannot be moved. Just as soon as God's people are sealed and prepared for the shaking, it will come. Indeed, it has already begun. The judgments of God are now upon the land to give us warning that we may know what is coming. 
These were the words that came to me from two different directions in the context of me talking about the sealing of the Holy Spirit upon the lives of the church and the reality that we had this Sabbath coming up when we were going to do things a little differently than we normally do and come with an expectation somewhat different from what we might normally have. We're going to do things a little differently today. There's going to be three moments in this service when you as uh, a congregation will be invited to participate in a bit more of an engaged manner than we normally do. And these three moments when they come will be of, of escalating stress depending on what level of introvert you are. But I don't apologize for that. In fact, perhaps what I should apologize for is that we don't, in fact, have more opportunities for engagement. You see, here's the thing. One or two of these elements might, to some degree, cause you to feel a little uncomfortable. But here's the thing. Remember who we are. This is a church. And by walking in here today, you have willingly subjected yourself to being in the presence of people, the majority of whom believe that 2,000 years ago, when none of us were literally there, a man lived on the earth by the name of Jesus, who was the Messiah of Old Testament prophecy, and literally the Son of God. By walking into this place, you have subjected yourself to a people who believe this. And not only that, a people who believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And in addition to that, that Jesus promised that if he goes, he will come again. Not only those things, we also are a people who believe that when Jesus returned to the side of the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit into the world. And that right now there is a power of God present in the world and in this room that is able to bring conviction to your heart and knowledge to your mind beyond the normal sources of attaining those things. So we're already a little crazy. Or else we're not. But that'll come out here as we work our way through. So I don't apologize if there is a moment here where, where it's like, well, that feels a little funny to do. Because you are in the midst of the people who believe the power of God is at work in the world. 
just as soon as the people of God are sealed in their foreheads. It's not any seal or mark that can be seen, but a settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so they cannot be moved. Just as soon as God's people are sealed and prepared for the shaking, it will come. Indeed, it has begun already. The judgments of God are now upon the land to give us warning that we may know what is coming. Now, I don't know how time works. I don't know how long it is until Jesus comes. I don't know any of these things, but I do know the last few years have been pretty tough, pretty crazy. A lot of assumptions that I had about reality don't count anymore. It doesn't work that way anymore. It's been strange. And at least in my mind, I have challenged myself to say, if this doesn't get at my attention, what would? What would? What would it take? Worldwide pandemic? I guess we did that. Wars and rumors of war? I guess we're in the middle of that. Blazing fires that burn things down? I guess that happened right next door, didn't it? What are you looking for? We're going to spend our time in Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And if you want to take a Bible in front of you there, you can take it out. It's the only passage we'll be in. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is Paul. He said, And I, when I came to you, brothers did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. All right, I want to pause right there because this is an interesting thing that Paul writes. He's describing the attitude he took when he came to Corinth. Now, if you go to the account in the book of Acts that tells the story of how Paul went to Corinth, you will find that Paul had gone... Uh, was, was traveling along and the Holy Spirit said don't go into the province of Asia and he tried to go into Bithynia but he said don't go there and he's not sure where to go and he has a, a dream in the night of a man from Macedonia which is the region of, of northern Greece saying come over and teach us teach us the word so he figures out this is the Holy Spirit telling us to go to Macedonia so they go they go to Philippi Things go well, but he also ends up in prison and gets beat up. Then they move on to Thessalonica, and uh, it goes pretty well there until, until there's oppression from the Jews, and he's driven out of there. He goes to Berea. Berea gets praised because they were, they were reflective on the things that he said. But then some of the, some of the people from Thessalonica come and, and cause problems, so he's pushed out of there, and he goes to Athens. And I can imagine in Paul's mind, he's thinking, ah, oh, Athens, that great city of influence and power, that place where, where great philosophies go forward. If, if the church could take root here and go forth in power, how amazing that would be. And I can imagine him in Athens as he's walking the street and he, he describes his experience. He says, there were idols to all kinds of gods, including one to the unknown God. And it is in the context of Athens that he engages with the intellectuals and, and he goes to Mars Hill. And on Mars Hill he does this uh, rather remarkable presentation uh, that, that comes from kind of a philosophical standpoint of the reality of Jesus. And it goes along pretty well until he gets right to the end and he talks about Jesus being raised from the dead. 
It's ironic that that's the point it comes off the rails. But it's at that point that they're like, you're crazy. People don't get raised from the dead. Because this is all in the context of the Plutonic dualism, the notion of, of to escape the flesh and become spirit and all of these things. And, and here's, here's Paul teaching, know that the, the flesh is good and what God created. And he loses them at this point. And not many of them believe. There's a few. There's a short list. But it is after this experience in Athens that Paul then travels to the city of Corinth. Now, I want to ask you, do you have any book in your Bible called The Athenians? Now, he didn't write a letter there. Gospel didn't really catch on there in the same way. You got the Thessalonians, you got the Philippians, you got the Corinthians, but it didn't really catch on. And I can't help but Paul is think, but Paul is thinking as he's traveling to Corinth, you know, that attempt to meet them on the philosophical ground didn't really get us anywhere at all. So he writes this letter to the Corinthians and he says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's almost kind of like, in my mind, what it seems to me he did was on that road he said, you know, we're not going to win this with philosophy and argument. There's a wisdom here. But it's not a wisdom that makes sense to anyone if they're not open to the Holy Spirit. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Corinth, the last place in the world where anybody thinks this is going to work. Corinth was tough. I'm going to go to Corinth, and I'm just going to talk about Jesus crucified and raised again. I'm not going to try to be smart. I'm not going to try to have the answers. I'm just going to talk about Jesus. Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's a remarkable passage, isn't it? And it ought to be a challenge to us every time we think that what God has called us to do is go out there and argue people into the kingdom. Now, there is a place for wisdom, and we'll come to that in a second. But the starting point of engagement is to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified and to speak the story in the context of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not convincing people. We're giving people opportunity for conviction. Now, it is at this point that we are going to make our first variation away from our normal behavior. And it is in this context that I want to ask Rebecca to come join me up here. I greatly appreciate our prayer team in this church this week because they have done some amazing things for us. Don and Vicki, uh, while they were traveling from Florida back to here, have led out every evening in a prayer time uh, that's been very powerful. And... Uh, and, and then Thomas is going to help us in a moment, and Rebecca are, the, are really the heart of this team 
and the work that they've done to help us be prepared for this day. But, but as we come to this point, as we are seeking to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and are taught by the Spirit, I think we need to start this experience today with a time of repentance. What are we repenting of? Well, okay, could be sins that you want to repent on. Let's go, repent of. Let's go ahead and start there. If there are things in your life that you need to set aside that are blocking your capacity to receive the Spirit of God, then absolutely let's address that first. But then the second part of our repentance is this notion that somehow through our cleverness or our wisdom or our philosophy or our good show, we are going to convince people to believe in Jesus. When in fact it is through the experience of our lives and our commitment to Christ that conviction comes. It's through the Holy Spirit through us to others. Yeah, there's time to speak words. But what we want to repent of is, is, is thinking we know how God wants it. And instead to open our hearts to receive what he wants to give us in this time. So yes, a time of repentance from sins, but also a time of repentance just from being so sure we know. So here's how this is going to go. Rebecca is going to start a prayer for us. And she's going to lead us partway down this road, and then she's going to stop. Because we're not going to repent for you from here. You're going to repent for yourself where you are. And when she stops, that's your time to pray. Now, you do this however you want. Kneel if you want. Stand if you want. Maybe don't be loud. That might distract us, but... Do this in the way you feel the Spirit speaking to your heart. And then after this span, where you're given opportunity for your repentance, Rebecca will close us with the rest of her prayer. So, Rebecca, go ahead. Thank you, church family. The reason we practice repentance is everything that Jeff has suggested, but also we do it through confession. And why practice confession? Confession is an important part of our Christian faith. One, because it reminds us of our limits. It reminds us that we are created beings dependent upon a creator. That we do not operate through our own agency, but through the agency that the Holy Spirit has given us. Second, it reminds us to be humble. If God has been good enough to give us mercy and grace when we least deserved it, how much more should we be willing to give mercy and grace to our neighbor, to our coworker, to our family member, to our friend, and finally, it reminds us that we worship a relational God that values the struggle of making relationships right. That even though we come to God not knowing what to do, he values us confessing that we have wronged the other and therefore we've wronged God. So this morning, I'm gonna ask you to do some inner work with me today as we do this. We're gonna bow our heads. We're gonna ask for the wisdom and clarity that God provides through the Holy Spirit. So bow your heads with me as we take some time for confession today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to come away from all of the busy things throughout the week, all of the things that consume our time and our priority and our efforts and our energy, and to say that ultimately, 
We are yours and we belong to you. Everything that stems from us comes from you. And we want to acknowledge that today, Lord. We want to acknowledge that a lot of times the pursuit of truth leads us to hurt one another and that we're not always prepared to receive your spirit, to be humble enough to know where to turn. And so today, we're going to take some time to put aside the perfectionism, the hustle, the masks that we wear socially to be able to say, here we are in all of our imperfections, and that's okay. And so we bring our burdens before you today, Lord. Please hear us and hear our hearts. Lord, we know that there are not a lot of places in our society when we're allowed to show who we really are. We try to show up, to be strong, to be there for our friends and family, to be there for our job. But we know that you are the one place where we can show our imperfections, where we can truly let our hair down without judgment and be accepted, and we thank you for that. Please help us to further lean into our identities as your sons and daughters that we are not called to be anything more or anything less. Thank you for what you have heard today. Thank you for accepting us and hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So we move now to the second part of what we will do today. Paul said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it was, it was in weakness and fear and trembling that I came. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And then he goes on, verse 6, he says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages to our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, 
For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, okay, yes, I, I came to you talking about Jesus and him crucified. And to the wisdom of the age, it sounded like craziness. But to those of you whose hearts are open to the Spirit and could hear, you understood that this was a wisdom deeper than the wisdom of the age, which is set to pass away. What does he mean here? He means that, that Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection has become king of all things. He is king of kings and lord of lords. And everything going on that is contrary to that is doomed to one day pass away. The victory's won. And this is a secret you know. This is, this is what he's speaking of here when he says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. What, what he's saying is, you're going to look into the world and what I'm telling you is going to sound crazy compared to what the world is. But what you need to understand is these things of the world are defeated and are passing away. And the things that last forever are the truths in Jesus. None of the rulers, verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of, Lord of glory. But as it is written, no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us, how? Through the Spirit. How do we know these things? Through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Now, a moment ago, we took some time for confession prayer. Now, I don't know if you understood this fully at the time or not, but the Spirit of God was searching your heart and bringing to your mind that which you needed to confess and repent of, but also bringing to your heart the awareness that you are accepted in the Son of God. If you engaged what we just did honestly, you sit here justified. And no eye has seen or ear heard what is prepared for people like you who have given their heart to Jesus. Verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. 
For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What is he saying? What is he telling us? He's telling us that there are things to be known that can only come to us by the Spirit of God. Now, they may be words spoken by someone, but it is the Spirit that brings them home to our heart. And it's interesting to me, even though Paul did not live in our day, even more so in our day, do the words of the Spirit of God, do the, the claims of the faith sometimes seem like folly? How can you say Jesus has won the victory when the world is still such a problem? How can you believe that Jesus rose from the dead when we don't see people rising from the dead? How can you believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth when, when we can't prove that with our math and science? Yet if your heart is open to the Spirit, you know those things at a very deep level. You know them by conviction. And you know them by the evidences that God brings. Some, when they look into the heavens, see nothing. Others, when they look into the heavens, see the glory of God. What do you see? Who is teaching you wisdom? Are you taught by the Holy Spirit? Do you have the mind of Christ? And this brings us to the second moment that is a little different than what we do. And I've asked Thomas to join me for this. So Thomas is going to come and join me here. And we are going to do an example of what we are going to ask you to do in just a moment. You see, we're going to pray for each other here. Thomas is going to pray for me, and then I'm going to pray for him. And we're not just going to stand at a safe distance and do it either. We're going to do a thing called laying our hands on one another. Now, now just for the sake of propriety, laid on hands belong in his own land, about here and here. All right, that's good. And we're going to pray for each other. Why are we going to do that? Well, because Scripture talks about how important it is to pray for one another that we would receive the wisdom of the Spirit. And that's what we're going to pray for. So in a second, Thomas is going to put his hands on me and he's going to pray that I would receive the wisdom of God by the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to put my hands on him and I'm going to pray the same thing from him. And then after we've demonstrated that, you're going to stand up. And this is where the introverts are just really going to hate this, but, but I'm sorry. And you're going to turn to people next to you, and you're going to lay your hand on them and pray that they receive a spirit of wisdom. Okay? So we're going to demonstrate how this goes. So Thomas, you go first. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, 
It's been such a blessing to be in this season of prayer and focus on the Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for Pastor Jeff, for his leadership, for his calling, for his service to this community. We've been truly blessed by the way you've used him in bringing to us the message from you. But as we've just heard, the things of the Lord are spiritually discerned. And only the Holy Spirit gives us the understanding of those things and the ability to speak about them. So I pray for Pastor Jeff that you pour out your Holy Spirit on him in a very special way as he talks about these things and teaches his community. Give him the wisdom of the Spirit. Truly, we live in a highly educated community where the tendency might be to bring forth the Word of God in human wisdom, although that is uh, not necessarily a bad thing. We know that what brings change and transformation is the wisdom of the Spirit. So we pray that for him today, that as he leads, he'll be guided through your Holy Spirit and teach us these things which are spiritually discerned. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord, I want to pray for Thomas right now, and I thank you for him and for the way that, uh, that he lives contrary to, to uh, what is said of the Thomas in Scripture. It is not a doubting heart in him, but a believing heart. And as your Spirit redeems all things, I pray, Lord, that you will continue to fill him with your Spirit as he seeks to live in this day and in this place as an ambassador for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now we prayed a little longer than you have to. Really, the heart of it is nothing more that you're praying they would receive a spirit of wisdom from God. So again, I go back to what I said at the beginning. This is different. This is unusual. But I don't apologize. You came in here of your own free will amongst the people who believe unusual things. And it's not weird that we would behave a little differently as a result. So I want to encourage you. Everybody stand up. Stand up. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, come on. We can do it. There it is. Okay. Find someone. Put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them that they would receive the spirit of wisdom.
interesting side effects of doing something like this is that we probably did more to knit our hearts together in those moments than in a hundred sermons I could preach. Because when you have prayed over someone else with a desire that God's good and his wisdom and his spirit would come upon them, it knits your heart to that person. And it is, it is unfortunate that so much about our disjointed and separated realities make this kind of an event where we intentionally pray for one another the exception as opposed to the rule. The fact that so much of what we have become is, is collapsed into an hour on Sabbath morning instead of lived out in a daily walk of community. I'm going to invite the band to come back up right now because as we move into the third section of what we're going to do today, they're going to provide the primary backdrop for what's going to take place. In these next few moments, we're going to try to bring the different pieces of what we've talked about together into one place today. And that is, we started with the words, just as soon as the people of God are sealed in their foreheads, a settling into truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so that they cannot be moved. You see, I long to be sealed in my forehead. Now, this is, this is imagery that comes from the book of Ezekiel, from the fall of Jerusalem, when, when the recording angel went through the city and marked on the foreheads those who, who, who mourned over the condition of the city. And it's used again at the end in the book of Revelation to describe those who have come to full conviction in their hearts and are accepted as a part of God's kingdom when Jesus comes again. It is, a, it is a mark that is not visible to each other, but it is visible in the heavenly realm. We desire to be those people. I desire to be a person sealed in the purposes of God that, that though life may come along, though I may have ups and downs, that, that the reality that I am a part of God's kingdom forever is not a negotiable. It's settled. It's signed. It's sealed. This can be true for every one of us. And it is a seal that takes place when the Holy Spirit dwells within our hearts. The last part of 1 Corinthians I told you we'd only be in two, but I, I lied. Sorry, my confession. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Now, we've, we've often heard that used in the context of of temperance. Don't do bad things. Okay, fine. That's good. But that's just a piece of what's being said here. What's being said here is 
You have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wishes to dwell in your heart. The band is going to lead us in a song. As you reflect on the words of this song, ask God to prepare your heart for what is coming next.